Welcome to another segment of Untethered Layers. My name is Dalwood Natarath. This is Rachel Tyler. I say segment, and I forgot that we've already graduated to our own show. So uh, this episode is about, what What record are we going to talk about, Rachel? Well, we're talking about Eskimo Snow. We were talking about Eskimo Snow. It came out in 2009, but as we mentioned last week, a super fun fact is it was uh, I, I wasn't sure if it was written and recorded at the same time as Alopecia, but it was recorded also in February of 2007, um, according to the Wikipedia page that I have open in front of me right now. <laughs> and the reason I have this open, and this is this is something I want to talk about, and we're, you're going to hear us talk about a lot this episode, is I am not as familiar with this record as I am with the other the other two we've talked about, or just any of the rest of them. Um, I think you share the same Yeah, sentiment. this is yeah. probably the album that I'm least familiar with. Yeah, and generally, uh, you know, the the couple days leading up to whenever we record, we're recording this on a Sunday right now, the, the couple days before we record, I'll listen to the album a lot. You know, I listen to Elephant Eyelash on repeat for a few days, and same thing with Alopecia. And I was doing it with this record, and I realized that that's probably the most I've ever listened to this record in sequence. Like, I listened to it probably six or seven times leading up to this episode. And not even between just Rachel and I, but we talked last week about how just in general, Y fans have a tendency to kind of kick this one to the curb. Not because it's Ouch. any any worse. I, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm not mincing words here. <laughs> uh, it's people have a tendency to forget about this one more so than they than they do uh, Elephant Eyelash and then definitely Alopecia. Um, and I think that's why. I think because this record followed Alopecia so quickly, it was bound to not be as. Uh, it was bound to not resonate as much with fans as alopecia did correct me if if you think i'm wrong no i agree i think that alopecia i don't know if you know yoni and the band were um anticipating how well alopecia was going to do and i don't know i would love to hear you know more of their experiences yeah right with releasing eskimo snow and and, the reception and the reception of this album um were you because last week you talked about how you got into why around this time around this time but like i said whenever i had gotten into why i had only listened to alopecia for probably about a year or two so say i got into them around 2009 i had no idea this record was releasing at the time i wasn't following the band i was following alopecia and then i figured out the band um uh, after, you know, like a few years after. So this wasn't even something that I was anticipating because I had only listened to Alopecia at the time. Um, I wish that I had had that experience of anticipating this record and kind of seeing the reception of it uh, critically. Uh, it, it garnered really, really good critical reviews. You know, I, I referenced a bunch of different um, album review sites and none of them gave it below like a 7 or anything like that, wow. as, at least as far as I saw. I think Pitchfork gave it a 6.9. Uh, um yeah whatever yeah but nice first of all (laughs) but um yeah i mean it like critically speaking and objectively speaking i i mentioned last time that i don't that this album doesn't fall to the wayside for me for lack of flair or for lack of how good it is objectively it's just i think like i said it following alopecia it had such big shoes to fill and um people people resonated more deeply with the super specific sound of alopecia and how deep and dark and different it was um and despite the fact that eskimo snow was written at the exact same time written and recorded at the exact same time as alopecia it sounds like we talked about last week just like so much different and last week i mentioned how uh there was only a few indicators that they were recorded written and recorded at the same time but the more i listened to this record uh the more i realized that honestly 
the the subject matter of this album is so similar if not darker than a lot of the tracks in alopecia yeah that was something that i realized too re-listening to this album over the past few days was he talks about the same subjects uh over and over Mm -hmm. again in both alopecia and Mm -hmm. eskimo snow but for some reason it doesn't come across as uh immediately right and i think it's because and uh, yoni himself said you know whenever whenever he was asked about this record he said that it's a more open sound for why it's you know the they had more i think like just it it sounded more open more airy more the i think it gave more of a chance for the instruments to show uh in the in the studio recording of it so the the sound of it especially compared to alopecia which is very kind of like muddled and like dark and deep this one is a lot more despite the fact that you know he's talking about the exact same stuff the instrumentation around it sounds a little bit brighter um so you kind of have to do a double take to listen to what he's saying like and in this record he talks so much more about death than he did in alopecia you know he talks about a lot of shitty situations in alopecia um you know pretty much throughout every song and some really dark uh, subject matter but there are so few songs on eskimo snow's track list if any at all that are that uh that have an absence of death in the lyrics um there are entire songs about just his, him him dying or his death uh on this track list so but like you said it doesn't come across as immediately on this record the vocals are a lot more gentle i right, feel yeah. on on this album versus kind of the the mumble rapping that is in alopecia mm-hmm. And the more experimental vocals in Elephant Eyelash, like pitching up, pitching right, down, yeah. uh, overdubbing, things mm-hmm. like that. Whereas this album uh, has a lot more, yeah, less in your face right. vocals and, and singing. He's singing as opposed to rapping or talking. I think it's a lot more straightforward than the other two albums. I think this yeah. album, unless I'm mistaken, is completely devoid of any samples. I don't think really? there are any. I don't think there are any samples or any different uh, sound bites. Uh, added in any of these tracks like you know like I said I'm not I, I can't recall every single track off the top of my head so I could be wrong but you know Elvin Eyelash you know False Idols had that had that sample of his of his dad's recordings um, Alopecia had some samples multiple some, rec- samples right. yeah yeah, yeah um, but Eskimo Snow doesn't have that it's very straightforward it's like they kind of just did one studio session um, and maybe on a brighter sunnier day than some of the Alopecia <laughs> recordings they had done um but despite the fact that a lot of the subject matter is, is the same between Alopecia and Eskimo Snow, Eskimo Snow, at least the lyrics are, um, I think, not necessarily more hopeful, but he is asking a lot more questions than he is in Alopecia uh, with, a, with a lot of the lyrics on Eskimo Snow. In Alopecia, he's sort of just dead-faced saying all these shitty situations that are happening to him. Um, but in Eskimo Snow, he's he's full of some more albeit twisted wonder um it's a little bit more of an exploration yes not as filled with um wonder as maybe like moline is Mm -hmm. but yeah something that i really noticed listening to eskimo snow was a return in some way Mm -hmm. to the the coded poetry right yeah um or lyricism Mm -hmm. that elephant eyelash and some of his earlier work has and it's so interesting that that's something that Yoni and the band does so well in terms of um, talking about different situations in a very beautiful or metaphorical mm-hmm. way. A lot more abstract than a lot of the lyrics were on Alabama. Right. That's something that they do so much and so much of their work, mm-hmm. whereas their most popular album, Alopecia, doesn't have as much as yeah. that. 
Yeah, and I think, um, like I said, despite the content being just as dark as uh, alopecia, if not darker, it feels like a breath of fresh air compared to alopecia. You know, it's like he, like he said, the the sound itself is a lot more open. Um, like you said, his vocals are a little bit more sing songy, I think, than than a lot of the tracks on alopecia. And I think, like you said, talking about how his his vocals sound a little bit more similar to those than maybe Elephant Eyelash or maybe Mahleen, um, even if the subject matter doesn't fit. I think even outside of Wise discography, you and I have talked in the past about how uh, Eskimo Snow seems to be the most comparable to other music uh, out of Wise discography. I read a bunch of album reviews. They picked track by track on Eskimo Snow. And I'm like, this one sounds like this era of like, you know, Ben Folds, or this one sounds like blah, blah, blah. And I think this is one of the few albums you can actually do that with with why right. and alopecia alopecia is so distinguishable because it is in, indistinguishable from any other kind of music exactly like i remember we said i think it was last week that mm-hmm. if if all of wise music sounded like eskimo snow mm-hmm. they would still be an incredible band but they would be more comparable to other bands right. of that genre mm-hmm. whereas exactly alopecia and and the the breadth of their um, discography shows such a diversity and uniqueness that mm. it's really impossible to compare them right. to any other band. You and that's why sound, when yeah. people ask me, you know, oh, what is this band you like so much? What genre is it? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of have a hard time. Yeah, I'm at a complete loss for words. Because saying hip hop is not quite right mm-hmm. and saying, you know, indie or alternative is like all of those are fit mm-hmm. but it gives the wrong impression it, i have a whenever yeah. people ask me about why i have a tendency to sort of separate it uh into almost three distinct periods uh one of which we've already talked about which is pre full band um so if people are like what does why sound like i'm like it depends on when you're asking uh like 2004 and before that really sample heavy very abstract lyricism very mumble rappy um and then elephant eyelash kind of transitioning out of that into alopecia is just super distinct sound. Like I, I consider alopecia almost an entire um, era of why itself. And then post alopecia, you know, there's uh, Eskimo snow mum sort of falls a little bit, I think closer to what I would say uh, alopecia sounds like. Yeah, so yeah. if I were to refer alopecia to somebody, I would also probably refer mums to them, but then Eskimo snow and Moline a lot more um, breathy, a lot more open. Like he said, um, just a lot more, I think not cheerful, but, bright i think than than uh mumps or uh alopecia at least in terms of instrumentation and, and production so yeah i have a tendency to separate it into those three or four eras and i can you know have two friends who have completely different tastes in music and i can probably get them into why just at different times a different yeah, yeah exactly i agree with that mm-hmm. um i think another thing that i wanted to say about the track list mm-hmm. is that it's really short it's it's a very short album about 30 minutes yeah it's, a, it's uh, 35 minutes and 40 seconds oh thank you yeah okay. i that was off the top of my head i was not looking at the wikipedia page okay. i was I okay was, <laughs> <laughs> well um you know alopecia is what 50 minutes long 48 minutes long something like yeah that. i think it's about 45 um, uh, i'm not gonna pull up that wikipedia page so well <laughs> yeah it's 40 45 minutes long well something about obviously we've already established pretty clearly that you know we've listened to alopecia more mm-hmm. but um those all of those tracks on alopecia stand out so strongly um on their own mm-hmm. whereas the the tracks on eskimo snow even upon re-listen still kind of blend together to me right they, yeah, yeah, yeah they have a lot of transitions within the songs and even their you know one rose and on rose walk mm-hmm. insomniac you know those have a very similar right. title mm-hmm. 
and the songs there's not as much differentiation between the melodies and the styles so it's a little bit easier for me to talk about this album as a whole as opposed to breaking down track by track Mm But I, you know, and I know both of us agree that we still would say we have definite favorites off of off, of the, off of the record, which we'll talk about uh, later. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely agree. There, there are, um, like you said, in Alopecia, so many tracks stand out so distinctly that you have a hard time talking about the whole album without talking about individual tracks and how they play into it. But Eskimo Snow, like you said, with all the transitions and a lot of the, the shared uh, imagery, I think, like I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, how it sounds almost like they went in with they went into the studio at the same time they were recording alopecia tracks with just a different mindset maybe that day and kind of just like busted out a whole bunch of these a little bit more hopeful songs uh and were like well this doesn't fit with anything else we've been recording recently so maybe we should release it as a as a separate album once again i don't want to speak for the band they may have had completely different reasons as to why they separated the two albums um but i think that might that probably would have played into it is that, uh, like I said, it's a lot more contemplative than Alopecia is. Alopecia has a, like a sort of dark acceptance of the shitty situation that he's in. But this one is more like, why am I in this situation and how is it going to affect me? And also, I'm going to just talk about death like a lot. A lot, <laughs> like a ridiculous yeah. amount, yeah. Um, but do you want to go ahead and get into some of the some of the tracks that, that we want to talk about? I think we can do that. I yeah. think I realized that um, whenever, because Rachel and I will try to pick, like I said last week, a couple of our favorite tracks, uh, and we'll try to sort of differentiate them. That's not going to happen, I think, because we share a lot of <laughs> we share a lot of the same <laughs> tracks. So we'll probably just talk about um, them as the, as they as they pop up. But um, I'll start this time since I made you yeah, start since I made it. you start the other uh, time. And I just really desperately want to talk bit about this song is Into okay, the Shadows yeah. of My Embrace. Oh, um, yeah, I know. That <laughs> that's why I wanted to go first. <laughs> so this is by far, I think, the most standout track on the record. I you know, would say we, so. Yeah, we talked about Alopecia having a lot of defining moments, and I think this is the defining moment on Eskimo Snow. Um, just so many... I talked last week about Alopecia, uh, at least some of the tracks and a lot of lyrics, seeming like just a series of confessionals that you know he was kind of shouting out into the ether. Um this is definitely this, this falls into that line the most into the shadows of my embrace that falls into the line of just like yelling and screaming out there's a literal line that talks about that which is um i mentioned last week a couple of my favorite lines like of out of all of wise discography are on this record this line uh where he says th- th- it's the entire second verse but the last part of the second verse where he says and i know saying all this in public should make me feel funny and i know saying all this in public should make that that part is just so meaningful because it's it's a very specific feeling that i didn't realize was universal until i heard this lyric of this idea um you know how sometimes in uh like some people you follow on social media will have that phase where they sort of uh post a bunch of feelings on a black screen and they'll post it to their story or whatever have you ever seen stuff like that yeah so that falls i think most in line with what i want to talk about with this line where he says you know but you got to yell something out you never tell nobody it's like there's this there's this it's really hard to talk one-to-one uh like person to person about really really deeply personal things but if you just like yell it out into the void and for anybody to hear it separates I feel like a lot of the the onus it separates a lot of the responsibility for those kinds of feelings and for those kinds of experiences, um, because you you're not saying it to anybody in particular. You're just saying it to everybody, and whoever happens to listen to it happens to listen to it, and that in itself can be so cathartic because you still get these really 
hard, deeply personal feelings off your chest, but but you, you don't have to right. You don't have to worry about one very specific person. See someone's reaction. To it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's just one of the most beautiful lyrics that like it's one of my favorite lyrics I've ever heard in any song because, like I said, it's such a specific feeling that I I don't think a lot of people really think about, but I know a lot of people feel. Um, like I said, you know these people that'll that'll post their really personal stuff on their story. It's kind of just like, well, I don't want to talk about a friend to this, but I'll talk to everybody who's following me on my Instagram or anything like that. Um, and I know you had some some lines that you wanted to talk about on on this. Uh, well, I think track. that the the lines in this song are just so funny and striking. Mm-hmm. But again, just the sound of the song is what I'm so drawn to. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of these songs start really slow and gentle. The the first song, These Hands, is a very, very weirdly slow mm-hmm. song to start on compared to the other starters that we've talked about in their past work. I wear the customary clothes of my time Like Jesus did with no reason not to die and it's almost not a, not a letdown. I don't want to say mm-hmm. that, but it, it's just a very um, somber sound to start on. That you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but would you say that it like doesn't? It, it's not as indicative of how the rest of the album it's, is going to sound. It's just not as immediately satisfying, mm-hmm. which is something that I would say about some of the other songs on this Bell's album. Part two. Well, 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 yes, yeah. exactly. But. Um, so the beginning of Into the Shadows of My Embrace just starts so abruptly that it's it's kind of it, it's satisfying to hear and it, mm-hmm. it puts a smile on your face. And the pattern of the song changes throughout it. It, it sounds a little bit more like the why that, you know, you love. Right. Yeah. And yeah, the, the line that you just talked about when it ends, it, it that whole line is so slow. Right. And then it just crescendos into this amazing ending where he talks about uh, a memory from I'm assuming his childhood mm-hmm. of his um, the street he grew up on right. Quartel U Place but you gotta yell something at you never tell nobody we found a dead fox in a dozen matchbox cars when we cut back the hedges on Quartel U Place And it's just so beautiful and exciting, yeah. you know? I think it goes uh, back into what we were talking about in Crushed Bones, where it's so satisfying to feel that build and in intensity, and it sort of just, like, explodes. Like you said, it crescendos at the end. yeah. And the end of the, the second verse for Into the Shadows of My Embrace, where he says, you know, but you got to yell something. Like, you're just, you find yourself screaming it whenever you're singing along to it. And then as soon as it's over... It doesn't like fall back down. It just goes straight into this new energetic part of the song of the of the bridge, and even just driving on the way here, you know, you can tell whenever you and I were having the most fun listening to this record, and it was on this song because like Rachel had to grab the wheel at some point because I was like, <laughs> you weren't driving. I was I was like flailing my arms because I was like this it, this this song fills me with so much like excitement and wonder, and it's probably because he's not talking about death as much as he has been in the, in the rest of the record, you know. This whole I this whole track is built around the idea that I was talking about at the end of the second verse where the beginning is he says I conquered my own childhood silence. I conquered my own childhood silence and now the world is my lit confession of my 
now the world is my lit confessional marquee. Like I love that line. It's so good because you you know he's sort of he's literally just telling you like I here are all these really deeply personal experiences and these are all like these crazy things that have happened to me and I'm done holding it back. You know like I you know I've found catharsis in just kind of fucking screaming all these all, all these words out to anybody who's listening and anybody who's listened to this record and I think that's definitely this this track is the strongest part of this entire record by far yeah and what he's what you were just talking about a little bit earlier about people using social media as a kind of diary Mm -hmm. where they can have a release to people without having to have a conversation about it one-to-one um that's obviously what he's doing he's Mm -hmm. making music that is being released to you know thousands of people but he doesn't actually have to look them in the face right yeah when he tells them Mm -hmm. and something that I was talking about to you in the car was um, re-listening to all of these albums, but especially Alopecia and this album feels almost more invasive Mm -hmm. now that, you know, we as fans have gotten a little bit closer with Yoni and the band through um, the rise of social media. Right. I, I, it almost feels like more um, upsetting to, really really not know yoni because mm-hmm. we're not close with him mm-hmm. but to to see him and to know that he was going through those things because you can put a face and you can put a personality exactly. to these deeply troubling personal experiences because before yeah. when i listened to these albums in my car you know it was just kind of like a faceless person that and you could like pick what you decided to relate to exactly yeah. it was very much about myself mm-hmm. and the albums are more and more I'm really understanding more where they're coming from right. from his experiences and that just makes them all the more meaningful. Mm-hmm. But like you said, feeling almost a little bit invasive like you. Very. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to talk about these and like I said I always want to know where a person was whenever they were writing or where, whenever they were making a particular song, but I can't like I can't I would never be able to bring myself to like ask these very specific questions about these these lyrics that I have questions about because I mean, that's that's his life, you know, and I don't want to infringe on that. You know, he wrote about what he wrote about for himself, for his own reasons. And that's that should be good enough, you know. Uh, and he made a beautiful piece of art out of it. I, I talked a little bit about Eskimo Snow, despite the fact that it, you know, a lot of the subject matter is similar to that of alopecia. More, it's it's uh, it feels a little bit more uh, questioning and almost a little bit more hopeful in senses. And I think that uh, that idea shines the most brightly on one rose where he says always one rose grows through a literally a lot of gravel, gravel you know kind of like seeing the seeing the silver lining on this horrible situation that he's you know had whether health wise or you know emotional wise or you know anything like that it's always one rose grows through a littered lot of gravel always struck It's the one shining beacon of light throughout the rest of this album that maybe indicates he might be okay at some point. Right. Yeah. I, I like the the phrase you use, silver lining. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's another standout. That's another standout line because I think it's whether or not it's an indicator of how the entire album sounds. I think it's a good indication of where his future lies or where he will be at at a point where maybe he's over this uh, this really deeply troubling stuff. Did you have another track that you wanted to talk about? Um, I, I kind of wanted to mention 
the song January 20-something right. a little bit. It's really short. It's only about two minutes long, mm-hmm. uh, actually. But the, the transition from the first song, These Hands, into January 20-something does remind me of of a transition from... Um, I think it's into the song of the sad assassin mm-hmm. or maybe into a sky for shooting horses under on okay. alopecia. The, the sound of the keyboard in the background mm-hmm. really reminds me of a sky for shooting horses under right. that. You know, so, so there's, okay. Um, it's okay. But, uh, you know, the, the sound of the instrumentation in that song, when I really close my eyes and imagine it with that, you know with the horses album cover right <laughs> that alopecia mm-hmm. has i can kind of see that song on that record alopecia mm-hmm. you could almost actually do that if you imagine like one of these songs thrown into alopecia mm-hmm. as a some kind of transition song or as a lull in between these mumble rap songs right. you i can kind of almost imagine it mm-hmm. but not all of them yeah and i uh i mentioned that the one of the strongest lyrics of like all of Wise discography in my you know personal experience being that um really cathartic release uh towards the end of into the shadows of my embrace there's another line that i just like for the poetic nature of it it doesn't necessarily have you know contribute a whole bunch to the discography or the feeling or anything like that but he talks about and um i think it's this black it's on this blackest purse where he says i want to speak at an intimate decibel speak at an intimate decibel with the precision of an infinite decimal to listen up and send back a true echo of something forever felt but never heard i just like whenever i first heard that line like it really jumped out to me it probably you know the second or third time i heard the i heard the song i just lost my mind i was like did he just say that like that's that's one of the most beautiful lines i've heard in like any any song for whatever reason i mean like it's it's used as a, like a transition piece throughout the song you know it, it isn't feeding directly into the whole idea of the song or the whole idea of the record but just this sort of like one piece of a throwaway line used so casually but it's like so poetic and so beautiful it sticks out to me like i i I listen to that track and i wait for that lyric despite the fact that it doesn't like i said feed directly into the entire idea of the of the song itself and then i wanted to talk a little bit about um the last the actual last track on on wait do do you want to go away from this blackest purse so quickly oh yeah no if you if you have anything else that that is definitely uh probably my my other favorite on this album along with into the shadows of my embrace mm-hmm. just because it's a little longer it gives you more time to to sit with it and it's it has more kind of a crescendo feel whereas the other songs are a little more kind of lull you mm-hmm. um i think it goes kind of hand in hand with into the shadows where it's one of the most fun songs to listen to and to sing along to on this mm-hmm. record because it's the most round it's the most it's probably the loudest it's the most upbeat it's got the most ups and downs and ups and downs yeah, and it's it's really I don't want to say lonely. There's something about this whole album that the word lonely just makes me feel mm-hmm. or or I think of the word lonely when I hear this album. Uh but this black is purse I can't really say that I that I know too much of what it's about. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's very I don't know if that's just me having a hard time understanding lyrics in general, mm-hmm. but just the sound of it is so 
I want to say cathartic. Uh, obviously, in a different way from other tracks we've talked about in the right, past, yeah. but it sounds like almost like a, mo- a movie soundtrack or something. Like, it's just the chorus is so. Um, I think that's a good way to put it, like a like a movie, uh, like a track off of a movie soundtrack. I think this is it's probably one of the most narrative tracks, uh, while being completely, or uh, you know, I say completely. I'm not entirely sure how the idea of a poser and the bowler or the small fry and a bow tie ties into his own personal experiences, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's the most like story like, and he's talking about these characters rather than he than his than himself or his own experiences, and in a really fun kind of clever, almost funny way. Um, well, and I think the line, mom, am I failing? Mm-hmm. You know, just when anybody says mom mm-hmm. is just personal. Yeah. You know, and yeah, this song is just so gorgeous. Um, and it's definitely one of my favorites on the album. Yeah. I, th- this one and Into the Shadows of My Embrace, I think, are two of the most uh, standout tracks, along with Against Me. I think that one's. That oh, one's Against just Me is a great one. Powerful, yeah. Yes. Um, you want to talk about that one for a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about or Against Me. me. Yeah. Right, and the, I, I talked a little bit about it. This album being a little bit more contemplative, and this album being a little bit more like almost hopeful, but him questioning his uh, like how these horrible experiences that he's had will play into his future. You know, will play into the rest of his life. Where he says, um, "Out of every woman on earth, who will I mate with?" You know, this whole verse he's talking about like what's going to happen to me is like, am I going to, you know, just be burned off the face of the earth with absolutely no you know history with no legacy to leave behind? where he says, um, will all my unused seed collect like mercury? You know, like... Out of every woman on earth, who will I meet with? Or will I spit empty threats until all that's left is a million zeros printed on a roll of ticker tape? And one last echo of the final tiny wave in my wake. Will all my unused seed collect like What, what is he going to leave behind, basically? Because death is so present present in his, in his mind. mind at this time. It's at the forefront of everything he's thinking about. And so he's kind of just like, oh, shit, what, you know, how how is the world going to progress or how is my own life going to progress past my own life kind of thing, um, which I think plays really strongly into the idea of this whole album. Yeah, just, just him not having any idea where his life is going to go from here and kind of it's almost like he's scared a little bit you know in a lot of the, yes, a lot of these lyrics that I he's, feel that. That he's um, I think that's where the loneliness comes from it, right. it feels like whereas again we keep comparing it to alopecia but it's impossible not to um alopecia feels very much like a nihilism a kind of right yeah uh but this album feels like because he's starting to feel something again mm-hmm. there is a fear in in that um isolation right also in against me the line where he says, I, like everybody else, is ashamed of sleep. I lie when a phone call wakes me. That's right. I like everybody else is ashamed of sleep. I lie when a phone call wakes me. That's a great line. Yeah. I also uh, woke Rachel earlier today <laughs> with the phone call because I wasn't sure when she was going to come to the studio. So we were just talking about that. Um, 
how she she always has felt a, a deep connection to that line and then talking about this record today exactly that happened to yeah me. relatable yeah mm-hmm. how about that uh but talking a little bit about the last track the title track on eskimo snow uh, i wanted to talk a little bit about this i think in alopecia but i decided to wait until eskimo snow this is th- this is the one track on any of his albums that is a title track he doesn't have any other title tracks he doesn't have a song called oakland Azul asylum he doesn't have a song called alopecia he doesn't have a song called elephant eyelash you're right. He doesn't have a song he, called Mumps. He name drops those things. He does. But but he and this is actually uh just a fun fact that initially that's not how it was going to be. On um on Alopecia, he mentioned to me that the vowels part he two meant, what do you mean he mentioned to you? we had a conversation uh okay. uh last February. I did a I did a super quick interview with him uh for, for my radio station. Uh and he mentioned to me specifically (laughs) no he mentioned to me that uh and the vowels part two that was originally going to be called alopecia and on mumps jonathan's hope was originally going to be called mumps Mumps, etc and he was going to call the album mumps etc etc like the album is this song and then some you know like etc etc um but for one reason or another in both of those recording sessions he decided you know jonathan's hope felt more um indicative of what that song was going to be like or the vowels part two you know he didn't necessarily i don't think he mentions the word alopecia at all in the entirety of i don't think he does either and i can't even recall at least in that album time he talks about losing hair Mm -hmm. i know he he does talk about hair a little bit yeah uh in in a lot of his songs but that i can recall i don't think he he doesn't he doesn't mention uh about it uh, he doesn't na- he doesn't drop the word alopecia anywhere in there. I don't think he drops. No, he he does drop mumps and mumps etc. He says yeah, in, in the mumps, very first yeah. line, which I think is it. so good. Uh, it's such a good way to set up that entire album. We can talk about that more next week whenever we talk about mumps. But whenever he says I got better from the mumps, yes, my swollen nut and neck shrunk. It's kind of like you can see that he's taking this more like almost lighthearted, fun approach to all of these things that have happened to him. But yeah, so Eskimo Snow is the only title track in all of his discography. Wow. There's no song called Mahlin. Um Yeah, yeah, and. It's also, I talked a little bit about how at the end of Mumps, at the end of Elephant Eyelash, and at the end of Alopecia, he talks about his own, he talks about his death very explicitly in in Alopecia. You know, he talks about uh, exegesis, I recently uh, <laughs> realized <laughs> how it's pronounced, so <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, at the end of Elephant Eyelash, you know, he says, when well, my balls are finally big enough to do it, he'll hold his own death as a card in the deck. But in this, in Eskimo Snow, he talks, you know, he's been talking about death the entire record, and it's not absent in this song whatsoever. But he's got, at the, he's got these lines that he repeats at the end where he says, then I'm still here, bearing my watery fruits of fruits at all. I'm still here. Like, he's, he's saying, like, because then I'm still here, bearing my watery fruits of fruits at all. Then I'm still here, barely understanding what truth that rarely calls. I'm hanging on by a thread, but you know, at the end of the day, like I am still here. I'm, I'm, I'm not gone. I'm not dead yet. I might be terrified of the idea that I'm going to die soon and what impact that's going to have on you know what whatever legacy I decide to leave behind. But I'm still here, uh, barely understanding which truth that rarely calls. Like it's the only. I think it plays in a little bit more to the idea of this album sounding a little bit more hopeful than Alopecia at the end of Alopecia. And you know, he just straight up like basically, like I said last week, it's almost like a suicide note. But this one is like another one of those those beacons of light another one of those silver linings where he's just like you know at the end of this track at the end of, or at the end of this record at the end of all this talking about death he's like well i'm still here 
So um, that that was one thing that stood out to me that I didn't even realize until I listened to this album relatively relatively recently within the past probably couple years or so that he this is the only title track and the one out of most of his records that does not talk deliberately about his own death yeah i think this this song makes me feel um similar in in the way that this blackest purse makes me feel Mm -hmm. this very um lonely yet hopeful kind of um yeah there's a silver lining but it's also confusing and i think it's a beautiful end track i know Mm -hmm. i say that word a lot but i but i think it applies here especially well Mm -hmm. um I would really love to hear more Eskimo Snow songs live. Right. Actually, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because we, we looked we up should. Yeah, we looked up the set list of the Eskimo Snow tour. Um we got the set list for October twenty eighth and the set list for October thirtieth. Oh, we looked it up. We were not at these shows. Correct, we were not. Yeah, I would have been thirteen. <laughs> uh but we 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 looked it up uh before the before we started recording. We do a lot of preemptive research before before this uh before we uh, jump right into the recording booth but so we looked up the set list for the eskimo snow eskimo snow tour that they did um what about you said it came out in september right right so it's really about a month after about a month after this the album came album out. comes out you know most bands are touring really really hard on a record whenever it comes out and i don't think this necessarily played in directly to people's sort of um dismissal of this album but we looked it up, and between these two set lists, and they were almost completely different set lists. Yeah. Both sets only had a third of the set list from Eskimo Snow, like as Eskimo Snow tracks. The rest of it was mostly alopecia and then a little bit of elephant eyelash. Yeah, it was about um, five songs. Yeah, five songs of, each. Out of 15. Right. So exactly. Um, that was a Eskimo third, yeah. Snow songs, which for, a, for an album tour mm-hmm. is very surprising. Yeah, that. The, and then we looked up the the streaming numbers on Eskimo Snow, especially compared to the really, rest. I think really low. probably the most uh, loops they had had, at least on Spotify, um, for any track on Eskimo Snow was probably about three hundred thousand, something like that. At the most, yeah. yeah. And whereas Alopecia has up to three million. Yeah, on uh, probably their most streamed song is about three million, just on Spotify. You know, what not counting downloads or Apple Music or anything like that. So even just n- streaming numbers and the band's apparent own preference for for Alopecia. I think may have played in a little bit to people sort of um, preferring Alopecia over Eskimo Snow. And like I said, since it did release so quickly after Alopecia, I don't think people were over that record yet. I'm I, still not over that I, record. Yeah, I never will be over that record. But I think people, yeah, were still taking time to listen to it, and they've still bumped it. You know, like I said, this this album is what got Y to where they are now, I would say. Alopecia? Yeah, Alopecia. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and Eskimo Snow just, you know... And I'm speaking from my own personal experiences and other Y fans that I've spoken to, not even just limited to you or Diane, but um, there's a tendency to have Eskimo Snow sort of as a as a companion piece as to Alopecia rather than its own standalone record. Um, and everything, like I said, from the streaming numbers to the set list sort of plays into that. But weirdly enough, like I said, critically speaking and objectively speaking, it's still got really good reviews, unlike Mumps, uh, which we'll talk about next week. You know, we're, we're going to wrap up the episode here, but sort of your little hook to listen to next week mumps did not do well it came out about three years after eskimo snow which you would think would be enough time to you know breathe and anticipate a new record and they tried something new and apparently critically and objectively it just didn't work i love the shit out of that i album. love mumps etc and that and it's really because 
we'll, well, we'll talk about it more in mm-hmm. next episode, but Diane and I really got into why around this era, right. which is why we love mumps, et cetera, mm-hmm. so much. Um, so I was really disappointed right. when I when I found out about the, the critical mm-hmm. uh, reviews of that album and even some of the fan opinions of that album. Right. But again, we'll, we'll talk about that a little more next Yeah, week. and I, I think doing... Like I said, Rachel and I do a pretty cursory amount of research beforehand, and in in doing this this podcast and in doing a bunch of this research, we've been surprised by a lot of things. You know, we've sort of had our own small world, our own like ideas about how why you know the reception was or how their albums have been, you know, Received. how they how how they withstand the test of time and stuff like that. And I've been surprised almost every single episode. You know, we've looked something up that has blown my mind. But uh, yeah, like I said, we'll talk more about that next week. This is the end of the episode (laughs) it's dramatic yeah uh so we'll be back next week uh with our episode on mumps etc but until then thank you again noah and gavin and the arc of e network for having us um we super duper appreciate it yeah we're really appreciative we're having so much fun it's yeah like this is this is the first like uh i may have mentioned last week we've been having these conversations for the past four years that we've known each other this is the first time we've taken we've a mic to We've known each it. other longer than that. Yeah, but we've been talking about this these songs, I think, yeah. probably about four years. I guess so. Yeah, four or five years. Uh, and this is the first time we've taken a mic to it, so it's been just, like, super fun kind of just, just chatting um, about it. But, uh, yeah, so that will be the, – the Mumps episode will come out next week. Until um, next time. Until next time. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>